is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're very excited uh, for this brand new series. It begins next week. We all know great stories in the Bible, right? If I say David, you would say? Some of you, okay, I'll try it again. I'll say, uh, I say Noah, you say? I would have accepted big boat or zebra. Either of those would have, would have worked too, right? And we know that there's those stories in the Bible that we're familiar with. And this is one of those chapters where we hear it a lot, right? We've, we've been exposed to it. Maybe some of us have memorized it. I'm very excited to see what Pastor Mike is going to do is he's going to show us some new insights from it and some very practical applications uh, that I know are going to change our lives beginning next week. So very excited about that. Also wanted to remind you too, Vision Night is coming up next Sunday night at 6 p.m., at our Apex campus. Uh, we are, you're all invited to come be a part of that. I know the campus pastor there, not only is he good looking, but they are ready for all of our campuses to come and hang out together uh, next week. We're gonna worship together. And we're gonna talk about some of the stories of what God has done uh, this year at Hope. And uh, we have some exciting vision for where we believe God is leading us next. Maybe the greatest vision um, as a church that we've had yet. And so, uh, so we want you to come be a part of that, especially if you're a mission partner, you need to be there uh, with us. We can tailgate before if you want. Come bring your grill and whatever you want to do with that. Um, that is available too. So how many of you, uh, Wednesday night was Halloween. How many of you went trick-or-treating with your kids, right? <laughs> otherwise, otherwise it's weird if you went by yourself, right? Like, uh, too old for that. How many of you have already dipped into your kids' candy? Yeah, okay, be honest, some of you right there. Uh, Laura sent me a, showed me a video the other day of some friends of ours from California, and maybe you've seen uh, those Halloween videos that, that they're making. If you watch Jimmy Kimmel, you've seen him do it as well, where you, uh, you get your cell phone and uh, you record telling your kids that you ate all of their candy and there's none left. And so basically it's the most sadistic thing in the world you can do. You record your kid having a total meltdown uh, so you can save it for their wedding a few years later, right? It's basically the only purpose uh, purpose to this. And so how many of you have done that before? Don't lie in church. God will get you, right? If you, if you lie. Some of you have, and you should just start saving now for the therapy because uh, it's going to be, it's going to be expensive. Um, we are in the last week of our series called Your Choice, Your Voice. And we're talking about three little words that have the power to change our lives. And it's the words, I forgive you. I forgive you. Some of you hopefully will hear that from your kids at one point one day, right? And, uh, but this is one of those series, this is kind of this last topic that, uh, that, that was probably it for the laughs today, right? Because it's about to get, it's about to get serious as we kind of dive in 
on this one. It's just one of those things that's just, it's just tough. And so today as we wrap up this series, I think it's something that's important for every single one of us that every single one of us needs in our lives. I was just reading a couple weeks ago, uh, if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, maybe you uh, remember the name Ray Carruth and he was a, a Panther for a short period of time. A couple weeks ago, he was actually just released from prison, just not too far from here, after 19 years of incarceration. And he was in prison, he was incarcerated for murdering his girlfriend, who was pregnant at the time. In fact, the story goes on to say that their son was born about 90 minutes after she was shot. Problem is, is that because of lack of blood flow and lack of oxygen, uh, he was born with brain damage. Can you imagine? You imagine being locked up? I can't even imagine being locked up in a cell, right, for 19 years, but to carry the weight of that, of knowing what you had done, knowing the lives that you had changed forever and the impact that you would have. In fact, the story goes on to say that uh, his the son was actually uh, being raised by his grandmother, by his, his girlfriend's mom. And, and this is why I shared this story because I want you to hear these words. She said this, I want to forgive him so that I can move on and enjoy the fruits of my labor and enjoy my life. Because if I'm sitting around in unforgiveness, it's like me drinking poison and hoping that he's going to die. So much power in those three little words, I forgive you, right? Whether it's words that we are saying and we feel the weight of that, that burden or those hurts being lifted off of our shoulders or whether it's the words that we receive from someone when we know that we've messed up and we have a debt out there that is outstanding that we can't pay on our own and we've been released of that debt. If you Google the word forgiveness, you're gonna discover all kinds of different thoughts and all kinds of different ideas. The problem is, is that most of them aren't true or at least they're not completely true. And I think that's why we struggle so often with this concept of forgiveness in our lives is because we have so many misunderstandings about what it actually means. Let me give you a few things of what forgiveness isn't because I think we have to start there and unpack it so that we can actually talk about what, what it is. Here's one, uh, this is what forgiveness isn't. A person should not be forgiven until he or she asks for it. See, forgiveness isn't conditional. Forgiveness is, is completely unconditional. There's no attachment to it. It's not about someone earning it. It's not about whether they deserve it or not. You can't bargain for forgiveness, right? It's not based on a promise that I will never do it again. It's unconditional. You offer it to someone whether they ask for forgiveness or not. See, when somebody says to you, I'll forgive you if, right? And they've got a whole list of, of conditions, a whole list of, of things that kind of go with that. That's not forgiveness, that, that's bargaining. Forgiveness is built on grace. They don't do it because they deserve it. Nobody deserves forgiveness. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it in my life, but we do it because Jesus modeled it for us. You remember when Jesus was on that cross with his arms stretched out and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's not because there was a crowd of people asking for forgiveness from Jesus in that moment. Jesus simply offered it. He took the initiative. And he went first. Whatever the offense, you offer forgiveness, it's, it's unconditional. Here's another thing that forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness means minimizing the offense and the pain caused. No, forgiveness isn't minimizing the, the seriousness of the offense, right? And here's what I mean by that. When somebody asks for forgiveness and, and you were to say to them, it really didn't hurt that much. It was really okay. It really didn't bother me. It really wasn't that big of a deal. Well, if it wasn't a big deal, then, then don't make it a big deal. 
right? There's a difference between being wounded by someone and being wronged by someone. Wounds only require acceptance, right? They, they require uh, maybe some patience in your life. Maybe, maybe someone said something that hurts your feelings a little bit. Maybe it's just the daily stuff that happens in the, in the course of your relationship with your spouse or, or with your kids. Maybe it's a, no one noticed your, your new hair, right? I, I shaved differently today. Not a single one of you has noticed so far, but that's okay, right? I, there's no, it doesn't require forgiveness. Being wronged requires forgiveness. When you're wronged, it means that someone did something to you intentionally. Whether it was that business partner that ripped you off. Maybe at school, it was that student that you had the idea, you put the work in, but they took credit for it. They got the, they got the better grade than you did. Maybe it's someone who lied to you, someone who has gossiped about you, or they hurt you physically or emotionally. See, wrongs require forgiveness. Forgiveness always needs to be reserved for the big stuff in life. Here's another thing. Forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. Forgiveness isn't resuming a relationship without change. There has to be a change element to it. Forgiveness is, is what's offered by the offended person, right? Remember, forgiveness is unconditional, but resuming a relationship, that's conditional. It has to be, it has to be earned. It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry, right? And, and therefore you, you can start the relationship over again. It, you have to restore it by really genuinely repenting of things. The Bible teaches actually there are three essentials to resuming or, or rebuilding a relationship that's been broken. And every single one of these things has to be done by the offender, the person that, that caused the hurt. Here's the first, you have to be genuinely repentant. It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. You have to admit and own that I was wrong. Will you forgive me for what I did to you? Here's the second thing. You have to make restitution. Just because you forgive someone, right, doesn't mean that they're off the hook. They still have to, to pay them back, right? They have to try and, and do whatever it takes to repair the damage that you've created in that relationship or in that situation based on what you did. The third thing is that you have to rebuild trust. Forgiveness is instant. But you don't have to trust them immediately. Maybe you've heard the saying, Time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. But it takes time for someone to earn trust back from someone else. Let me give you an example. Maybe it's an abusive, uh, alcoholic spouse, right? And he or she comes back to their spouse and they say, I am so sorry. I was wrong. I'm trying to, to make the changes. Will you please forgive me for what I did to you? And your answer and your response should be, yes, I forgive you. But then when they say to you, will you let me back in the house? Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> That's another matter because that involves repentance. It, it involves restitution. It, it involves rebuilding trust. See, trust can be lost in a second, but rebuilding it takes time. Here's another thing. Forgiveness isn't. You haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. See, forgiveness isn't forgetting what happened to you. Maybe you've had that advice before. Maybe someone said, you just simply need to forgive and forget, right? Just, just move on with it and, and let it be. There's only one problem with that, and it's this. You can't do it. It's impossible for you to, to forget, right? God made us that way. You, you can't really forget a hurt that has been done in your life. When you forgive someone, eventually you're going to think of it less over time, but you're never going to forget. What if I told you that God doesn't want you to forget those things that have happened in your life. What if there's a, a better way than forgiving and, and forgetting? It's 
forgiving. And then watching how God turns a a broken, hurting situation into something beautiful, something incredible. And then when you're reminded of that hurt again, you're able to appreciate God's incredible grace in your life. We're gonna talk about more of that in, in just a minute. See, God says forgive, but he didn't say that we had to forget. Another one, when you forgive, it removes the consequences of their actions. No. Forgiveness doesn't remove the consequences of of their actions. In fact, forgiveness never eliminates the consequences of sin. A prisoner can repent and and be forgiven, but they're still going to have to serve their time, right? They still have to pay their debt back to society. A, A drug addict can be forgiven of their addiction, but they're always going to have the scars of the decisions that they made and the, the people that they hurt based on their decisions and, and actions. A parent that's abandoned their family, yes, they can be forgiven. But for that spouse and those kids that were left behind, there's always going to be consequences for the rest of their lives. And it wasn't their fault. So there's always consequences to sin. It always hurts somebody. You can't sin in a vacuum. Every time I sin, every time I blow it, not only does it hurt me, but it hurts every single person close to me. Forgiveness doesn't get rid of the consequences. Those are some of the things that forgiveness isn't. So what is forgiveness? Well, what does it mean? What does it look like played out in our lives? I think Jesus shows us an incredible example of how we should respond when we've been wronged. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. So we're going to hang out today for a little bit. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens. We're going to have the notes and uh, the passages there, or you can download our app as well. The notes are there. You can add to them, send them to yourself. Uh, but if you're reading from your Bible today, you're going to get a turkey leg at Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and so that's just a, that's a promise for you uh, for today for that. Now, Jesus, a little background here of what's happening while you're turning to Matthew 18. Jesus has been teaching his disciples about the importance of, of how they treat other people. And he's had this conversation and then Peter comes along, one of his disciples, one of his closest friends, and, and he kind of grabs Jesus and says, hey, can, can we just have this little side conversation? And he pulls him to the side and here's what happens in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, a little bit of background on this, right? The custom back in Jesus' day, was that you were to forgive someone three times if they had offended you. On the fourth time, right after three, you were done. On the fourth time, you didn't have to forgive them anymore. It's kind of almost like a Seinfeld thing, right? Like, no forgiveness for you, right? Like, you're done. I, I did it three times. You struck out. You don't get a fourth chance, right? Like, I don't have to. I can keep the bitterness. I can do all of those things. That was the rule. And so Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times? What about seven? And we don't know why Peter chose seven. Maybe he's just trying to be generous. Maybe he's trying to show Jesus the the compassion. Like, Jesus, I've been listening to you, right? Like, I, I get this. I know we should be compassionate. Maybe because the number seven actually represented completeness. Probably because he messed up a bunch of times and he needed Mrs. Peter to forgive him, right? Because he's a guy. That's probably what happened in this story. But for whatever reason, Jesus uh, has this to say to Peter. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. See, here goes Jesus raising the bar again, right? Like just doing that, that Jesus thing. And, and I'm sure for Peter, maybe some of the other disciples are, are eavesdropping a little and they're like, Jesus, that's, that's easy for you, right? Because you've never sinned. You've never, you've never done anything wrong. You don't have to apologize to anybody. 
It's the first Jesus juke in the Bible, right? Jesus is like seven, try 77, right? But here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I don't want you to be literal with this, Peter. I'm not telling you that you should count. And when you get to 77, that's it. Now you're officially done and off the hook. You don't have to forgive. What Jesus is saying is, Peter, don't keep count. You forgive as long as you need to forgive. If they need to be forgiven, you you forgive. There's no limits to forgiveness. And Jesus is about to show us, for those of us that are followers of him, because we've been forgiven so much by God, that we need to willingly forgive others too. And so he begins telling this story in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master had pity on him and he canceled the debt and he let him go. One day, right, this king is, he's kind of going over the books with his accountant, right? And they're they're looking at what's outstanding. And and the servants that are mentioned here, right? They're they're probably court officials, right? It's not servants in the strict uh, strict meaning of the word, although they were, the king had full authority, right? And so they did serve the king, but they were probably high power officials in the king's court. And we don't know exactly what this guy did, what his job was. My guess, maybe a tax collector, Right? So maybe he was exposed to millions of, of the king's dollars and, and gold coins. Right? And maybe he had skimmed a few off the top. Or, or maybe he put a, a sweet addition on his house right? and it borrowed a little uh, from the king. Whatever it is, the king is now going back and he sees in this account, there's 10,000 bags of gold that were owed to him. And that's not a little, right? It doesn't sound like a little. It really isn't. In fact, it's the same, it's the same amount that King David donated in the building of the temple. In today's currency, it'd probably be somewhere around $20 million that this guy owed. So the sale of his family, the sale of everything that he owned, it was the, it was the custom to cover a debt in this time. Can you imagine the weight that this man was feeling in this moment, right? The, the inconceivable price that he had to pay for his decision, the price that his family now had to pay because of his choice. And so he did what any one of us would have done, right? He fell on his, on his hands and knees, face down, begging in desperation, King, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And look at the king's response. He didn't just lower the interest rate, right? He didn't say, hey, I'll give you 30 more days, right? But I need you to start making some payments on this. He cancels the debt completely, all 20 million off the books, completely gone. Can you imagine how incredible that must have felt, the burden, that this weight that has been, been lifted off of this man. The greatest gift that he could ever have received is being forgiven of an unpayable debt. How would you spend the rest of your day? Imagine your, your mortgage gone or your car payment or your credit card debt or your school loans, whatever that is. Imagine someone came up and said, it's done. You don't have to pay back a dime anymore. It is totally taken care of. I mean, you'd, you'd be telling everybody, right? I mean, this would be the, some of the greatest news you've had in your life. You would tip really big at lunch, right? It'd be 20s, like rolling out. You're like, this is, this is incredible, this freedom that I feel in my life. Here's the deal. Forgiveness is remembering how much we've been forgiven. 
See, this is the starting point for genuine forgiveness in our lives. Ephesians 4.32 says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, if you don't feel forgiven, then you're not gonna want to forgive anyone else. If you're hard on yourself, then you're going to be hard on everyone else. If you don't realize the, the grace that you have received, right, the more grace you receive, the more gracious you're going to be towards others, the more forgiven you feel, the more forgiving you're going to be. God wants you to remember the depth of his sacrifice. And he wants us to appreciate the gift of grace that he has given to us. This guy must be so excited about what has just happened in his life. Look what happens in verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. King's just forgiven him $20 million. And now he's throat punching the guy that owes him 20 bucks, right? Like, like this is crazy. And Jesus' point in this story is to, to highlight the ungratefulness of this man who had been forgiven so much, but now is demanding payment for so little. It's so interesting to me that this second servant, right, makes the exact same request that the first one did. He begged for patience and he begged for more time. The only difference is that the second servant, it was actually possible for him to pay his debt back, right? You would think, right, for this first servant that hearing the exact same words that had literally just come out of his mouth, you would think that that would trigger some sort of compassion in his heart, nothing. He had been forgiven so much, but he wouldn't forgive so little in, in comparison. See, forgiveness is giving up your right to get even. Did the man owe him? Yes. Did he respond, or did, did he have the right to collect that money? Yes. Did he respond the right way? Absolutely not. See, when you've been hurt by someone, was it right that they did that to you? No, it wasn't right. Do you want to get even with that person? Yes, I do. Right, that's, the, that's the emotion, that's the feeling that I, that I have. But when we remember how much that we've been forgiven, we're quick to recognize that, that our debts just aren't comparable. Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. See, life's not fair. It's not, we know that. But one day God is going to settle the score. He's going to right the wrongs in our lives. Who can get better justice, you or God? Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? See, Jesus' question is very rhetorical here, right? <laughs> he's, he's not looking for an answer on this one. The first servant, he had his life changed by the mercy of the king, and he didn't make it 24 hours before he is now back in the king's presence, but not the way that it should have been. 
The king who had been so gracious is now so angry at the way that this man was so unwilling to forgive someone else. Jesus makes it very, very clear what his intention is for us as followers of him is because we have been forgiven so much, we forgive. See, forgiveness is responding by canceling the debt. That's what it means to forgive. Not holding them hostage to a, a debt they can't pay, not throwing it back in their face, right? Every, every single time they mess up, it's simply releasing the debt. Let me answer the questions that some of you have. No, it doesn't matter what they did. No, it doesn't matter if they're a friend or an enemy. No, their consequences don't disappear. Yes, you will benefit from forgiving. Luke 6, 27 says this, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. See, how can you tell that you've really forgiven someone, right? How do you know that you've gotten to that place where that forgiveness is real? It's when you can look at someone else's hurt, not just your own hurt, and you recognize that you can actually pray that God would bless them in the middle of that. And I know for some of you, you're saying, Donnie, <laughs> there's just no way. How can I forgive the person that hurt me as much as they did? The answer is this, you can't. Unless you allow the love of God to penetrate your heart, the only way you can offer forgiveness this way is to allow God to love you and for God's love to come out of you into their life. Verse 34, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We can see here that God is very, very serious about forgiveness. In fact, in Jewish law, it was illegal to, to torture someone. And yet it works its way into this story because it was common in the ancient world. It's what they would do to force people to reveal sources of money or income or anything that they might have had to begin to repay that debt. See, getting into debt in the ancient world, it was serious business. This wasn't like, this is pre-Dave Ramsey, right? It's not just like cut up your credit card, right? Like, like this is serious, serious stuff. And forgiving a debt, it was completely unheard of back then. And so God is painting a picture here of the seriousness of forgiveness, but also the power of it. In this verse, Jesus says, you forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. Remember in verse 21, remember when Peter came to Jesus where this all started? He said, Jesus, how often should I, I forgive someone right, that's offended me? Is seven times enough? And, and Jesus said, no, it's not seven times, Peter. It's 77 times. He's saying, how long do you have to keep forgiving someone? As long as it takes. As long as it takes. Forgiveness is repeating the process as long as necessary. You have to keep forgiving until the pain stops and until the desire to get even goes away. It doesn't mean you have to let them back into your life. It doesn't mean that you have to let them hurt you again. It doesn't mean that you have to trust them right away. But you need to keep forgiving until it's done. Remember the story I shared at the beginning? That grandmother, can you imagine every single day for 19 years she has looked at her grandson and been reminded of the choice that Ray made that's impacted her grandson, that, that cost her the life of her daughter. And did you remember her words? I want to forgive him so that I can move on and enjoy the fruits of my labor and enjoy my life. So you don't harbor unforgiveness any longer than you have already. Make amends, make it right, do it today. 
Let me give you three areas in our lives where we need forgiveness. The first is this, is we need to receive God's forgiveness. What's the, the right way to ask God to forgive you? You don't have to beg for it. Like in this story, right, he, he had to beg for his master, to, for the king to, to forgive it, to release the debt. You don't need to do that with God because God wants to forgive you. You don't bargain with God. You don't have to say, God, I'll, I'll never do it again. Because the reality is, is you probably will, right? Or you're at least going to sin in a different way again. You don't have to bargain with God and you don't have to bribe God. God, if you, just, if you just forgive me, right? I'll tithe 20% next week. I'll, I'll even serve in middle school, right? Like if, if you forgive me, yes, you should tithe. Yes, you should serve, but you don't need to bribe God. You just simply believe. Look at Romans 3.23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. God freely made us right through Jesus' death on that cross. You simply just have to put your trust in him. But Donna, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done because it's all about what Jesus did for you. And no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. And maybe you're thinking, Donnie, I've asked over and over and I just don't feel like I've been forgiven. So you don't have to ask over and over. You were forgiven the first time. That false guilt, right? That, that false shame, that's actually from Satan. And if you keep asking over and over and over again, what that actually shows is a lack of faith, that you don't believe that God really forgave you, that you don't really take him at his word. And, and the Bible says that when we lack faith, that that's actually sin in our lives. So you don't feel forgiven because you don't fully understand how God forgives. You don't do anything. Jesus did it all for you. Here's the second thing, we need to forgive others. Some of you need to ask someone for forgiveness and you need to do it as soon as possible. Maybe it's a known thing, maybe it's a, a 20 year dispute in your family, right? And you just need to own it and you just need to ask for forgiveness and you need to begin to rebuild trust. Maybe for some of you, it's a secret. It's a secret that you've been carrying around with you for a long, long time. You need to own it. You need to ask for forgiveness, but you also need to be aware of what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is this, is you're going to feel an incredible weight lifted off your shoulders because that secret is out. You're gonna feel so much better, but the person that you're telling it to, the person you've been keeping that secret from, they're gonna be devastated. You need to own it. You need to journey through it at their pace and their speed and try and restore that relationship. We've got people here that will help you to journey with you through that. You need to forgive others, but you also need to offer forgiveness. For some of you, there's been people in your life that have asked for forgiveness and you just haven't, you haven't responded, you haven't answered, you need to, to forgive them. And even if they don't ask for it, and clearly they were wrong, you forgive them anyways. You release them of the debt, release them of the desire to get even with them. Not for their sake, you do it for yours because holding on to that hurt, holding on to that grudge, holding on to that, that bitterness, it's like drinking poison and hoping that they will die. Third one is this, you need to forgive yourself. See, God always gives us what we need, not, not always what we deserve. <laughs> We're so fortunate for that. Psalm 103 verse 10 says, he does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. See, instead of giving us the punishment that we deserve, Jesus paid for all of our sins upon 
that cross. And I love that the Bible says that our sins are removed as far as the east is, is from the west. Because the east and the west, right, they, they never meet. They, they never touch. There's a north pole and there's a south pole. But the east and west, they, they never come back together. God has simply taken our sin and he has wiped it out. It is gone. And if God has forgiven you, then you need to forgive yourself. If I'm honest, this, I struggle with this one all the time. Right, this is, this is one, and I, I've had to learn that I have no right to hold on to something that God has already forgiven in my life. If I can't forgive something that God has forgiven me of, then what I'm saying to God is that his forgiveness isn't enough, and I, I know better in my life than God does. If God loves us enough to forgive us, then we ought to accept that forgiveness and forgive ourselves as well. Let me make this so clear. God, God forgives us not because we're good. He forgives us because he is good. He's a good God with an incredible plan for your life. And even when you blow it big time, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I wanna give you two ways that you can experience the power of forgiveness today before you leave. The first is communion. The first weekend of, of every month across all of our campuses, we celebrate uh, communion together. And, and communion really was started by Jesus. He took a, a tradition that, that they followed in, in Jewish law and, and he kind of put a little bit of a twist on it. And it was, it was at his last supper with his disciples right before he went to the cross. And he took bread. Today we use gluten-free crackers, which I'm not sure if that translates in, in, in anyways, that's what we do. So, but he took bread, right? And, and he gave thanks and it said that he broke it. And when he did that, he, he said, when you eat this, remember me. The suffering that I'm about to go through. My body that is going to be broken on your behalf. And then he took a cup of wine. We use juice. And he said, when you drink it, he gave thanks and said, when you drink this, remember me. My blood that was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. See, communion, it's purely symbolic. There's nothing magical that happens during it. But for a follower of Jesus, we get to remember what Jesus did for us. We remember that Jesus died for us. And we celebrate the fact that because of his sacrifice, we've been forgiven and we've been set free. Your campus host is going to tell you how we're gonna celebrate communion at your campus in, in just a couple minutes. But here's the second thing that we're gonna do today. On your way in, you got a little piece of paper and a, and a pencil. And in just a second, at all of our campuses, the band is gonna come back out and they're gonna lead us through, through one more song. That's a polite way of me saying, don't leave early. Because I really truly believe if you do, you're gonna miss something special, significant that God wants to do in your life today. We wanna take a few minutes while that song is playing and use that piece of paper however you need to use it. It is yours to write down on it whatever it is that you wanna write down. Maybe it's an apology to God. Maybe it's things in your life that you need to confess to him. It's just been a long time. You've drifted far away. Maybe for the very, very first time, you're saying, God, I, I wanna start a relationship with you. Maybe it's a practice apology for someone else. Maybe, maybe what you need to do today is get on the phone and call someone. So maybe you're just gonna write down the things, the words that you're gonna say, how to humbly submit and say, I'm so sorry. I was wrong, will you forgive me? Maybe it's a list of hurts you've been holding on to, grudges, things that were said to you. Maybe it was the promotion that you weren't given, the appreciation that you weren't shown. Maybe it's a name of someone that you know you need to forgive. 
You've been carrying this around for weeks, months, years, decades. Then at each campus, you're going to have a chance in just a couple minutes to take all of that stuff, whatever it is, and you're going to have a chance to burn it. You're going to have a chance to watch it go up in flames and, and disappear with so much symbolism in our lives because that, it represents how quickly God forgives us. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And so today you're going to have the opportunity to list those wrongs, wrongs you've felt, wrongs you've caused, right? And you're going to have to write them down and then you're going to be able to, to let them go. You're going to release the things maybe you keep bringing up in your life because someone else did to you. Let, let them go. The next time you're tempted to think back on this, tempted to want to get even, tempted to, to want to relive the hurt or the pain, you're going to be able to remember this day. Say, no, I, I received forgiveness. I offered forgiveness. And I remember that I let that go. I don't need to deal with that anymore. It's done. Mike told us in January, the theme for this year was, was freedom. See, the reason that we forgive, there's two reasons. One is it shows our appreciation to God for what he has done for us. But the second is that it sets us free. So don't leave today with bitterness and hurts and grudges. You don't need to leave it here. And today walk out free. Will you bow with me as we pray? Maybe you're in a place today, maybe for the very first time, you need to put your trust in Jesus. You want to experience the, the forgiveness that he is offering to each of us. And if that's you, then just in, in the quiet of your heart, just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Thank you for dying on that cross and forgiving my sins. I put my trust in you and I give you my life. Make me whole, make me new, and God, will you use me to reach others? If you prayed that prayer, I just want you to know that it's the greatest moment of your life. It really is. In fact, the Bible tells us there's a party, there's a celebration happening in heaven right now because your life has eternally been changed. When we put our trust in, in Jesus, it's not a magic prayer. It's simply putting our trust is, is saying, Jesus, thank you. I trust you. I offer my life to you for what you did for me. Jesus, we thank you. God, I know I've, I've been hurt by others. God, you know the resentment that's made me act in ways that are unreasonable and unhelpful, even unhealthy in my life. God, I need your power to release and to forgive those who have hurt me. God, so I can stop letting them control me. Would you please replace my hurt with your peace? And God, I realize that I've hurt a lot of people with my habits and with my bad decisions and, and even with my words. Would you please forgive me for the way that I've hurt others? And God, will you give me the courage and the strength to ask for forgiveness? And help me to try and restore the relationships that I've broken. God, I want to face the future courageously with love and with peace in my heart. Would you replace my resentment with your love, God, my bitterness with your grace? 
Thank you that you did all of this for me first. God, will you help me to put this practice and to live this out in my life today? We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of all the great things that God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download the Hope app to find ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus.